There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. On this episode of Newt's World, I wanted to talk about the state of our economy, starting with the disappointing August jobs report. And of course, the alarming reports we're getting now on inflation. And what can we expect for the month of September as the federal pandemic unemployment compensation $300 weekly payment ends? I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, Michael Farron, Research Fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. He has a PhD in applied economics from The Ohio State University. Michael, welcome. You just recently issued a report entitled COVID-19, Expanded Unemployment Insurance Benefits May Have Discouraged a Faster Recovery. Could you share with us your research and what you found? Certainly, and thanks for having me on. So my research dives into the end of federal unemployment insurance benefits. There were three separate programs. Early in about 26 states, versus the other 24 states and District of Columbia that maintained participation in this federal expansion to unemployment insurance. Unemployment insurance is a state-run program, but the federal government expanded it during the pandemic, making it much more generous to be off of work. And that's mostly what people have heard about is the $600 expanded weekly benefit during the first part of the pandemic, or the $300 bonus that was revised later during the later stages the pandemic. All of that went away for 26 states. 
essentially midsummer, end of June, beginning of July. And then that gave us an opportunity to study the difference in employment growth between the states that had maintained the federal program and the states that had ended the federal program. What we found was that pretty much exactly what you would expect based on previous economic research, and there's a lot of economic research on out-of-work benefits in general, especially U.S. unemployment insurance programs, but other developed countries have similar programs, and the body of the research shows very consistent results in that out-of-work programs have a tendency to discourage workers from returning to work. So that's not necessarily a bad thing on its face, because maybe there's some benefits from not rushing back to work and taking the very first job that is available, both to the worker themselves and their family, but also to the broader economy. You don't want some highly skilled person working in a lower skilled, lower productivity job. But the longer that someone remains unemployed because of this unemployment insurance program, the more detached from the labor force they get, the more stale that their skills get, both the skills in their industry and also their soft skills of getting up on time, getting to their job, the sort of things that we encourage teenagers to take early jobs in order to build those skills. The longer that you're out of the workforce, the faster you lose those skills. And so the longer that someone's out of work, the lower the chance that they're actually going to return to work in the future or that their job is actually going to pay them an equivalent wage or it is going to be a good job for them. So there's a balancing act between supporting people when they're out of work for no fault of their own versus encouraging them to get back to work as soon as possible. From your perspective, if you think of them as two different blocks, is the gap between the rapid reduction of unemployment benefit block and the maintenance of unemployment benefits, is the gap so big that it's academically uncontested? I would say that the body of the prior research is such that the gap should be pretty much uncontested. It's fair to say that we're in a very different situation right now with regard to the pandemic, but that has changed over time. There's a lot of reason to have people be out of work in the early stages of the pandemic when we really didn't know what was going on and were fearful that it was going to be even worse than it's actually been. But now there's an argument to say, we need to be getting back to work. We need to be restarting the economy. As for our particular research, to be quite honest, the data is very muddy. And I think that that is the reason why you've seen so many contradictory narratives out there in the media about this, because one of the data sets that we use that's part of the normal monthly jobs report shows that, yes, there was a specific measurable reduction in growth in the states which had remained in the federal programs versus the states that left the federal programs early. However, <laughs> and this is the frustrating thing perhaps about economics, I believe it was President Harry Truman that said, I wish I had a one-handed economist. So on the other hand, the other data set from the monthly jobs report actually didn't show this effect at all. It showed that the states that had left the expanded program early actually showed reduced employment. So there's plenty to argue about for political partisans, unfortunately. I've noticed 
twice recently, I was up in New Jersey, and the local drive through you know, the McDonald's-types restaurants, all of them were restricted to drive through because they didn't have enough staff to be open. And then I just came back from Kansas City, where I stayed at a hotel, which would only make up your room if you called and asked them to, because they're just so short of staff. I mean, the staff they had was very nice and very hospitable, but they clearly were dramatically understaffed. Do you find that's true around the country? I have definitely experienced those kind of anecdotes myself recently. And from everything that I've read media-wise, yes, there definitely seems to be a scarcity of workers out there. And that was the, the big argument that we're having in the media and politically is whether the federal expansion to unemployment insurance, whether maintaining that too long has led to a reduction in workers rejoining the workforce in this scarcity of workers. Well, the National Federation of Independent Businesses on September 2nd reported that a record 50% of small business owners had job openings they could not fill. Now, what's amazing about that is to what extent are the unemployment numbers, because the unemployment rate had declined to 5.2%, to what extent is that misleading because, in fact, the workforce itself has shrunk by people who just have dropped out. I think that the unemployment rate is one of those things that has actually become a little bit more misleading during the pandemic than it would normally because you had so many people completely drop out of the labor force and that affects the calculation of the unemployment rate. So just a, a quick background on that. Essentially, there's three groups of people broadly in terms of calculating the unemployment rate. You have the employed people, you have the not in the labor force people, and you have the unemployed people. In order to be counted as unemployed, you have to meet three criteria. One, you don't have a job. Two, you're currently actively searching for a job in ways that would allow you to be made a job offer. So just passively searching LinkedIn, for example, isn't going to be enough to be counted as unemployed. And then third, you have to be available for a job right now. And so normally when you have a recession, you have a whole bunch of people move from employment to unemployment because unemployment insurance requires people to search for work as a condition for being on unemployment insurance. That requirement was waived during the pandemic. So you have a whole bunch of people out of the labor force right now. And so you can't really trust the unemployment rate to be exactly accurate as it was in previous pre-pandemic times. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xu mo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house and I screamed. <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You know, it's interesting. I talked to a business owner who had advertised for a job, and he said he got like 100 inquiries, but none of them followed up but they were able to check off that they'd called about a job. So they had met their paper requirement to continue to draw unemployment. And I'm sure that business owners are seeing a lot more of that because as of the spring, most states reimpose the requirement to be actively searching for work in order to be eligible for unemployment insurance. I remember well in my early career, I had a desk near the lobby at the business that I was working at. And Every week, a fellow would come in and just say, like, do you have any jobs? And the receptionist would be like, well, would you like a job application? He's like, oh, no, I just wanted to do the right thing. And the employment office was just down the street. So we got kind of a lot of that. That's wild. You know, Mike Rowe has been a great observer of work and has done a series of TV shows on working in America. He keeps pointing out that there are remarkable number of high-paying jobs for skilled workers. And I noticed that 44% of the openings now are for skilled workers, and 27% are for unskilled labor. 66% of the job openings in construction are for skilled workers. And 67% of construction firms reported few or no qualified applicants. I mean, if you wanted to earn a living, there really are some amazing opportunities out there in this economy in a way that is not being, I think, covered very well. There really are. The way that I have seen it being covered is the JOLTS report from the BLS, Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, just kind of determining how many jobs are available per unemployed workers out there and how much are people shifting in between jobs, the labor turnover. And that also, like you mentioned the business survey previously, the JOLT survey is at a record high of there's 1.4 jobs open per worker that is officially unemployed right now. Like that's amazing. And the job turnover rate is also about the highest that it's ever been, as people are really comfortable being able to jump into a new job because there's such a demand for workers. The thing that those really, you know, 20,000 foot numbers don't 
articulate, though, is a difference between skilled work and unskilled work. So it may be that the, most of the people that remain out of the labor force right now are more in the lesser specific skill industry. And so there's actually not quite so many jobs available for them as there are for highly skilled workers. So this is a great opportunity if someone wants to quickly skill up into a new profession or just be hired in a new profession and skill up into that and be trained on the job. I think there's a lot of opportunity for workers out there, obviously. Yeah, and Ro points out that very often people don't sociologically value the cash value of some of these jobs. And he said, this was two years ago when we talked, but he said, that, for example, when we were in the middle of the fracking boom, that if you got to be a really good welder, you're in the $160,000 a year range. Meanwhile, your brother-in-law, who decided to study English literature, is in the like $70,000 range, but feels socially superior to the guy who's out here on a rig making you know two and a half times as much money. Yeah, and I think that's a fundamental flaw of the direction that our culture moved in. Education is incredibly valuable, but we put education on a pedestal as opposed to artistry, as opposed to mastery. And that's something that arguably Germany actually does a bit better. From what I've heard, if you get a, a PhD in Germany, it's kind of like, yeah, that's nice. But if you become a master of your art. If you go through the apprenticeship and journeyman stage and you actually become a master plumber, a master electrician, master metal worker, that is actually written up in the local paper of like, you know, local person does good, makes the master level, and it's celebrated in a way that many other accomplishments are. And I think that's something that we're missing and something that Roe does a really good job pointing out. And if you really think about it, it's terribly important that you do have highly skilled people in this situation. Imagine if you have a bad plumber working on your house. You could make the problem worse rather than better. Yeah, the founder of Common Cause used to say, if you value bad philosophy because it's a philosopher and you ignore bad plumbing because plumbing doesn't matter, neither your pipes nor your philosophy are going to hold water. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I think it's a real problem and distorts the system. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know, historically, if you go back to the 19th century, we were always a high-cost labor society, and we always had labor shortages. And as a result, we actually automated, although we wouldn't have used that term in the 19th century, but we actually used devices to improve efficiency much faster than anybody else in the world. And I wonder to what extent that's going to happen now. You look at, for example, Amazon moving towards robotics and other things that are going on. And you also see in a classic way that most economists, I think, would agree with, that the minimum wage is rising because of labor shortages, not because of government. So Target went from 13 to $15 an hour. Hobby Lobby went from 15 to 17 Walmart's minimum wage is still at 11 but the company raised the pay in March for over 425,000 workers to between 13 and $19 an hour. So that about half the company's employees now make $15 or more. Costco increased its minimum wage to $16 an hour, and over half of the company's employees earn 25 or more. Starbucks gave raises to at least 10% of all its employees and added a 5% bump to starting wages. And I've seen anecdotally places that would like pay $1,000 you got a signing bonus for showing up and going to work. Absolutely. I've actually heard of signing bonuses just for showing up for an interview. If we contact you and we say we want to interview you, just please show up. We'll give you 50 or or $100 just to show up. And then if you actually get hired, we'll give you another signing bonus as well. So yes, we are absolutely going to see more automation. There's an effect in economics, since we like to make up fancy words to describe simple things, that is called hysteresis. And the really easy way to understand this is it's kind of like a ratchet. It turns the nut tighter, but it doesn't ever loosen the nut. So the minimum wage is an example of a policy that causes more hysteresis. It's because once you shift, say, at a McDonald's or at a grocery to self-scan checkouts or order kiosks, things like that, what I have read recently is that McDonald's is actually shifting to, because of advancements in technology and voice recognition algorithms, they're actually going to be having a robot take your order at the drive-thru so that you aren't even talking to a person. You're just speaking the order and it's taking it down. All of these things reduce the demand for labor fundamentally. Now, the demand for labor may grow over time as the economy expands, but for each of these effects that occurs, the fundamental demand for labor has been decreased. And that's one of the problems with programs like the minimum wage is that 
it is a well-intentioned attempt to artificially create a safety net using business regulations rather than using as a regulatory approach rather than a fiscal approach to creating a social safety net to get a little bit deeper into the weeds. But businesses can choose how they respond to that. And what ends up happening is with the disappearing jobs, you end up harming the exact same people that you're trying to help with this policy. To bring this back to unemployment insurance, the thing that I'm worried about is that the longer that people remain out of work, because of the federal expansion of unemployment insurance. Now, it's done now, but to the extent that it has caused people to remain out of work longer, and that has built up their bank account such that with the generosity of the additional funds and extending that, people that stay out of work longer might actually discover when they come back to work that the jobs that they want to come back to aren't there because they've been automated away because businesses have finally got sick and tired of waiting for workers to come back. And they've actually decided like, okay, we're going to, Amazon is now experimenting with a completely cashierless grocery store where they have just really good cameras all over the place. And they note which products you put into your cart and you can just walk straight out of the store and it automatically debits your account. When you look at the whole impact of artificial intelligence and massive computational power, I mean, we're clearly going to be in a different world, although historically it seems like every time we obsolesce something, people go and find new and more creative jobs. So we probably now have more psychiatrists than we have farmers. Arguably, that's a better thing for us. We have more and better food and healthier lives as a result as well. That's right. So I'm curious, how do you generally sense the economy over the next year or two? My general sense is, barring the emergence of a spectacular new strain of coronavirus like Delta, is that we're going to continue on an upward trend. Now that the federal expansion to unemployment insurance is over, we're going to see the remaining workers that have stayed out of the workforce coming back to employment. Essentially, at this point, for the September jobs report, which the data for the September jobs report will be collected this week. There's no longer any federal unemployment insurance. Schools are back in session, more or less, and most in person. So most of the rationales and reasoning for workers to remain out of work are gone. That doesn't mean that there aren't going to be lagged effects, as I said, due to the expanded generosity of unemployment insurance programs. People may have maintained a bank account that allows them to remain out of work a little bit further rather than immediately coming back. But I think you're going to see a surge of people returning in the next couple months. And I think when we look at, say, the January jobs numbers, we will see what the actual full return to post-pandemic is going to be. And that's going to be interesting because there's going to be a lot of workers who have decided to remain out of work. They were working before the pandemic. I think we're going to see a large one-time reduction in the workforce. Some of that is going to be due to retirements. There were 2 million more retirements than expected during the first 12 months of the pandemic. I think that we're going to see some people who have rearranged their lives to have more parents stay home with children. And so I think that that's going to have an effect as well. And that's one of those things that we shouldn't necessarily say that we have to return to the exact pre-pandemic economy that we had because there are values to retirement. There are values to workers, prior workers staying home and helping raise children. 
And so we might actually be most of the way, quote unquote, recovered right now when you account for those kind of effects, but we won't know until another six months or so. That's great. That's really, really helpful. Do you worry much about the inflation numbers? I worry about it in a guarded way. I was just reading that the cost of living adjustment for Social Security, based on a recent Social Security trustees report, is estimated to be 6% for next year. And that's four times higher than the cost of living adjustment for this past year. So I'm worried if the government continues pumping money into the economy. I think that if we can get a handle on that, these price increases will be kind of a one-time thing. And it may change kind of like the level a little bit, but then we'll continue to grow at a relatively slower rate. I have to say, though, I'm not a macroeconomist, so you're not getting a perfect answer from me. I have to be humble about that. That's all right. Everybody's opinion counts. <laughs> if only everybody's opinion could be actually right. I know. I think it was Reagan who once said, if we could lay all the economists in the country out you know, head to toe, that would be a good thing. Uh, (laughs) i know a lot of people who would agree with you michael listen thank you for joining us today we're going to have a link to your research and report covid19 expanded unemployment insurance benefits may have discouraged a faster recovery that'll be on our show page at newtsworld.com and i hope that sometime in the future we can revisit the economy with you and you've been very very helpful thank you sir i'd love that Thank you to my guest, Michael Farron. You can learn more about the August jobs report on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newtsworld, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If you're committed to living a healthier life, you might want to look into working herbs into your wellness routine. There's a reason people have trusted them for thousands of years. Nature's Way understands that nature is the ultimate problem solver, and they're constantly inspired by the power of nature. For example, their ginger root and slippery elm bark have been traditionally used for digestive support. And St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support. And because Nature's Way sources from around the world and does a ton of comprehensive potency and quality testing in their state-of-the-art lab, you can be sure you're getting top-quality herbs. To learn more, visit naturesway.com.